You're listening to Bloom After Baby, the podcast. We're your hosts, Rachel Daggett and Jen Jordan. We're a therapist and a doctor and and both moms moms of two. We're here to discuss the mental health and wellness needs that are unique to motherhood. From confusing hormone swings to your expanding body to boundaries in tricky relationships, we'll give you the information you need to experience motherhood in a way that feels good to you. Thanks so much for tuning in. Let's get to it. All right. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is Jen. I'm solo today. Uh, Rachel and I are both doing solo episodes with our other halves to bring in some of the dad perspective. So today, my husband, Eric, joins the show. And Eric and I have two daughters, a three-year-old and a 17-month-old. And today, Eric's giving you his hindsight 2020 take on the transition into parenthood. We talk a lot at Bloom After Baby about the transition to motherhood. And we talk about the term matrescence, which describes the transition into motherhood, the physical, biological, hormonal, social relationship and identity transformations that women go through in the transition to motherhood. And today I wanted to get Eric's perspective on his experience in that transition to fatherhood. And we focus on some of the things that he wished he would have known before becoming a father. And we talk about some of the psychological and emotional elements that were challenging. And we talk about some of the relationship dynamics that shifted. We'll get into some of the parenting dynamics that we personally found most emotionally and psychologically impactful. We talk about the roommate stage and why it's not what we initially thought it would be. And we also get into some of the myths and biases around gender norms. We get into prenatal care and how it might influence how dads approach parenthood in the early stages. And we share lots of our personal experiences and some of our mistakes and revelations. So episode helpful, especially if you're an expecting parent or a new parent in the early postpartum period. And as moms, I hope this information provides some insight into some of what your partner might be going through. And as dads, I hope that this conversation can help offer some insights into topics and information that are important and helpful to discuss with your partner. So Eric is here sitting with me right now. We don't need any formal introductions. (laughs) We'll, We'll just dive right in with the first question we wanted to talk about. So what are some of the things you wish you would have known before entering parenthood that you think would have made the whole transition easier? Yeah, I think I wish I would have known how emotionally vulnerable we would be and how difficult being parents to active children would be. I did a lot of preparation. I had spreadsheets. I had I had timelines. I was very trying to be as involved as I could in preparing the room, picking dressers, doing all these sorts of things, being very prepared for the physical presence of a baby, but not understanding a lot of the emotional side, how to be, how to be patient with a crying baby, how to adapt to an ever-changing environment that doesn't just revolve around having the right baby carrier. But I imagine most parents feel that just because it's a completely new experience that maybe nothing can prepare you for. I feel like we had a bit of preparation with our dogs at that time. When Scotty came, I think we had three senior dogs. Yeah, three Um, and two blind. So we were literally carrying around two dogs most places. So we were used to transporting Carrying around your dogs, hand feeding dogs. Any free time was taken up by 
these high needs dogs, which prepared us and in some senses may, but it's still a different, it's obviously a different feeling of challenges or unknowns that I thought, again, would just come naturally. Elaborate on the emotional component. What do you mean by that? Was it the worry? Was it anxiety? Was it the constant unknowns? Yeah, I think it's just really the constant unknowns. It wasn't necessarily anxiety or worry. I always felt that we would be good parents, but it was really just the unknowns. How's the baby going to sleep? How is it going to impact our relationship? How do we prioritize everything else in our lives when we've got a newborn or a baby or a child or a toddler? It kind of is an ongoing thing that we're still working through. But yeah, I think it's just trying to the emotional component of it that just you can't control, I think. I turn immediately to what can I do? What can I do to fix this? Jen's, if you're overwhelmed mm -hmm. by something or Scotty's been crying too long or she won't go to sleep or, and you're, you know, putting her down that night or however it was, I would, I'll put her down. Let me put her down. I'll take this off of your shoulders and it'll make it all better. And yeah. Yeah. When we'd recognize that there wasn't a solution. It would almost create kind of this helplessness. If you couldn't solve it, then how could you even be supportive? And I remember saying things like, I just need the affirmations. I just need you to tell me I'm doing a good job. I just need you to put some snacks by my <laughs> bed where I'm nursing in the middle of the night or just these little things that to me felt maybe supportive, but maybe weren't even on your radar because you were focusing on solution. And if there's no solution, then what is there even? Not to say you didn't do a million other things, but I think a lot of times it was like the focus was on solving versus the little support things. Yeah, I mean, nothing I can do and not understanding fully how important uh, some of those little things are. I had to have a mind shift to an extent that what you needed was not exactly what I was trying to offer that I thought would be what you needed. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does. One thing I want to say in response to that, too, is that I think that also created some of the resentment between us or resentment on my end that I almost looked at you as you should have a way to help or to fix the problem, even knowing that there wasn't a solution, even knowing that you were already doing everything you could. But because I was experiencing certain mental, emotional changes, also just some of the physical stuff you literally couldn't do, like breastfeeding, the physical recovery after C-sections. I still had resentment that you weren't going through it the same way I was and rationally, like absolutely knew that didn't make sense. But yeah, there was, there was definitely a period of time where I felt that I was walking on eggshells and there was a fair amount of expectation. I feel like that I should be a little bit of a mind reader, mm -hmm. which was hard because I couldn't step in and just say, here's what I can do to get ahead of any frustrations or resentment that you might have because I didn't know what they really were and I didn't know what they were stemming from and I didn't know how to stamp them down. So mm -hmm. I think that was hard for sure. And in hindsight, if I had known what was really going on underneath the surface. I think it would have been easier to understand where you were coming from uh, as opposed to feeling like I can never make you happy. Yeah. In hindsight, if you would have recognized some of what I was going through mentally, it would have 
made it a little bit easier maybe to just roll with some of that behavior. But at the same time, I was exhibiting a lot of resentment. And I know talking to other moms, that's such a common thing to experience during that time. But it makes it really challenging for the partner because, like you said, you're walking on eggshells and that resentment isn't really rooted in anything very justified as a way to put it, that it was a defense mechanism and it was feeling helpless, me feeling helpless. That resentment is really your defense mechanism that gives you this kind of false sense of power or self-righteousness that your ego likes and gives you a temporary kind of lift, but obviously is a is detrimental cycle. And I guess that's just to say that it made it really tough because I was expressing a lot of that pretty consistently. And so you were working against a lot. I think knowing what I know now would have allowed me to take a step back, give you more space. And that's something we've worked on just throughout our relationship and parenting decisions and things like that is if we disagree on something, we can take a minute apart and reflect. And I would have done that more as opposed to being right there saying, what can I do to help? How can I fix this? Wasn't the difficulties in that moment or whatever, it was something else. And so just being able to give you space and allow myself to think more level-headedly about really what do you need in that moment, something that I would obviously do differently because this, my solution in itself isn't what was going to make things any better Yeah, in some situation. Okay. So going back to that original question about what you wish you would have known before parenthood that could have prepared you better. I think one thing we've talked a lot about is really just the parenting aspect. Before kids, we weren't a couple that really bickered a lot. Most of our arguments were over broader kind of topics or events. And so going into parenthood, I don't think either of us anticipated the amount of little arguments over what feel insignificant. Parenting really brings that out. There's so many little things to scrutinize about each other. And I think I want to hear your perspective on that. I don't think that's something you can even prepare for because without having been a parent before, when you're a parent for the first time, you are going to learn your own approaches. While we have very similar parenting holistic approaches and global approaches to things like uh, our core values align right. for sure yeah our core values align and gets down to like how do we approach things in the moment when we're trying to solve a problem when we're trying to get scotty to put on a shirt when we're trying to right. get out the door when we're trying to do we give her ice cream before dinner things like that little decisions that don't really have a huge impact on how that child is going to turn out or anything. It's really just in the moment decisions. Mm -hmm. That's where I didn't necessarily anticipate or know. I guess I didn't know how much I would think that my way is the right way. (laughs) (laughs) Realizing that neither of our ways really work 100%. I think that was something that even I, I realized more and more as we go through parenthood is that there is no 100% right way. And that's a hard thing for me to accept. So I think just knowing that we're both just trying to get through the day and trying to get through that situation. I think what you just said too about the just trying to get through the day is key. The idea of giving each other a charitable assumption that you're trying to do what's best for your child. You're trying to do what's best for your family. Those disagreements or discrepancies in approach, we would think about that as like, 
a negative, hostile thing that you're doing it wrong. Therefore, I should be upset and angry about it as opposed to you're doing it differently. You're wanting to do what's best for your family. There's doesn't need to be anger attached to it. Does that make sense? Yeah. And I think realizing that we're both trying to achieve the same goal. We both have the same holistic viewpoint on parenting that we share. I know that we're both focused on the same goal, whether it's in that situation or mm-hmm. raising our kids for the long term. I like what you said about the space part too. I think that's also been one of the biggest take-homes for us is that we need to stop having these tense conversations within the tense moments that when we're in these really tense moments, like in the midst of a tantrum or a newborn that is having six hours of constant crying, our nervous systems are so activated. We're not actually having the most logical conversation. So with the parenting piece of it, not critiquing each other while it's happening, but trying to think about those things, log those things, and then discuss it in the context of an overarching parenting approach that we need to reconcile and taking that space and step back to have those conversations at more constructive times. Okay, so we're going to switch topics for a minute. Uh, I have another question about preparation. We talk a lot about from the mom side of it that moms, we're just not doing a good job of being really transparent and vocal about how wholly transformative this motherhood process is and what to expect. And I would love to hear from the dad side of it. I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but I know some of the conversation around some of your dad friends, and especially early on when we're talking about a baby, is statements like, I don't really do anything. And mm-hmm. <laughs> tell me more about your thoughts there, what that looks like, what you want that to look like. Yeah, I don't believe, and I've had a lot of my friends before I became a dad, say those exact words, you can't do anything in the first six months anyway. Yeah, I don't subscribe to the you can't do anything mentality. And it's really just the mom who has to do everything. I really relished, especially with Scotty, I think maybe part of that was that she did take a bottle earlier on, but that I could put her to bed. I could rock her to sleep. I could give her a bottle in the middle of the night. I loved that. Yeah, childcare tasks, you literally did. Everything that I did other than the breastfeeding, everything else we yeah. shared in some way. Yeah, I think so. And obviously, probably some, some situations that I could have done. How did you more. decide to do that, though? Where did that... I think, it, again, I think it's just never really feeling that you can't do anything. And that myth that don't ball with the baby till later on in their, in their infancy or whatever. I just never believe that i think that there's so many things you can do and i think you being really involved in the prenatal care made a huge difference too especially the first time around that it one set the tone for that mutual approach but also it gave you so much familiarity with what all went into having a child and um, just being so engaged early on i think made a big difference i think that Again, it gets back to how much can, you know, can the man do once the baby is here? And the more I knew and the more I taught, I mean, not taught myself, but the more I was involved during pregnancy, the more I knew or thought I could do once the baby was here. And so with having the charts and the 
pictures and the growth curves and understanding all that stuff and what changes you were to be going through in your body during pregnancy then led into tracking and understanding baby's progress as that baby grows older. And then also understanding how your recovery is going to go or expected to go post-pregnancy to mainly physically, because that's, I guess, what I could understand the most. I guess the other, getting back to what I would talk about with other dads or soon to be dads, it is easy to say, oh, you're going to be more interactive with a child when they're walking and hugging and high-fiving and doing all these sorts of things. I think there's so much more before that A, can create a bond and B, is noticeable. I just had an aha moment too that I think what you said about the prenatal care where a lot of the information has to do with fetal changes, physical changes for mom and that kind of sets the stage for that being the continued attitude towards it after baby arrives that these are changes happening within mom's body and to mom's body and then afterwards it's like those same things are owned by the mother maybe the way that those prenatal care visits medical visits set us up for that that idea obviously there's a lot of like gender norms and biases there too but yeah, I think that's a good point that the typical medical care sets it up for the mom to own that information. Yeah, I think unfortunately a lot of that is because you're the only one that can be in tune with what's happening. And yeah, I guess part of that's true. But the way that even that fetal information is shared is right. with the mom. It's with not shared mom. with the dad the same way. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't mean that the dad can't educate and understand it. Maybe they're not going to, they're obviously not going to experience it, but. They can understand and try to understand what the mom is going through. Because yeah. I think that's important. And it helps adjust the dad's mindset, I think, or at least it helped adjust my mindset into maybe how I could be helpful and what would be most beneficial for you. Because at least I understood a little bit about what was happening. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So again, switching gears, but the last question I wanted to touch on was in let's focus on the earlier postpartum period, maybe the first six months or so, you have this massive transition where you often go to like a roommate stage and everything revolves around the baby and everything is transactional. So I'd just love to get your take on that. If it's a negative thing, if it's something you worry about, what you think it means, your thoughts around that. Yeah, it obviously exists. I think some people might be really worried about it and think that it has a negative impact on the relationship. I actually just look at it as it really just was a fact of life. And again, we both have the same goal when we're in that roommate stage, and that's to take care of our kids, be there for our kids, bond with our kids, less interaction between us. I think <laughs> you... You have navigated through that or within that because we're still in that, but with so much less resistance than I have. I think I took offense to a lot of it early on and would make a lot of comments like, you don't even notice me and, you know, take it as almost rejection. And so how did you not take it so personally? I don't know. I think just because I, th- I know that we will always come back to it. I, mean, I don't question that connection. and. I definitely understand that in the times when the kids aren't 
around or we have time to ourselves, those times need to be taken advantage of too. But I always know that when those times come, that they'll be just like they were pre-kids. I've always had that mindset and that's why I never worried about it. And you didn't need the validation. I think from talking to other moms too, I think that as moms, it's this weird dichotomy because you on one hand are expected to do all the things and there's a lot of kind of default parent expectations on the mom that she should be shouldering so much. But then at the same time, it's also idolized or romanticized that the mom is also the one that is the mother of your children and you're going to be doting on her and supporting her during this time. And so I had this really unrealistic expectation that there'd be a lot of praise and doting, which again, you're, you were doing just as much as I was and you were going through, through so much yourself and didn't even really realize that I had that subconscious perception that there was also supposed to be that element of it. So when we were it and are in the trenches and really just getting through the day and doing all the essential things and not paying a lot of intimate attention to each other, I think I internalized that as rejection for some of those reasons. <laughs> yeah, that's not wrong. That's not wrong to have those expectations by any means, obviously, I think. But unrealistic in that you were going through similar things and in it too. So I wasn't expecting myself to be giving you any sort of that type of validation or other attention. Yeah, no, you're right. I don't, I don't, not one that necessarily needs verbal affirmations and things like that, but for you to want those things and for you to need those things isn't unreasonable and isn't unrealistic. And it's definitely something that is hard to anticipate when and where, but it's not unreasonable. But it would have helped me to have had the, the anticipation of this roommate stage and of the reason it's, it exists and not to take those personally, because I think I really did myself a disservice by not being aware of that and having unrealistic expectations for that stage of our life at that moment. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's impossible, especially when we're knee deep in childcare and putting out fires. And again, when we're in the midst of all of that, it's going to be impossible for the partner to step away from the task at hand to tell me to, how beautiful i look when i'm in exactly. <laughs> three day old sweats yeah it's just it's impossible because again we're both working towards the same goal and uh, lugging a naked toddler to school yeah yeah trying to get a toddler to school but again the, where it's a reasonable expectation is okay scotty's at school and we have a moment and i come in the door and those are the times that to really take the opportunity to give those affirmations or whatever they might be your partner needs. And I think, again, it's not an unreasonable expectation to be able to, 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 to want those things. It's an unreasonable expectation to want those things in the midst of a crisis, but it's not unreasonable to want them outside of in, in moments of calm. Yeah. And I think that kind of goes back to what we were saying about being unable to find a solution or there not being a solution to a situation. And sometimes really the only input or what you can offer is a validating comment or a compliment or something supportive from both directions. And those, again, those needs might come in different forms, verbal affirmations, 
a foot rub, taking a household chore that one person might normally do off that person's hands. I think it's just, you can take the form of a lot of different things that just shows that you're present and understanding what the other person needs. Okay. Speaking of roommates, we're going to get out of our professional mode now and uh, go sit on the couch and watch a movie or something less roommatey. <laughs> so okay. we can sign off there, but thank you so much for coming on. And Eric will definitely be making some regular appearances this year. So um, we'll just be excited to continue to include the dad's perspective in this conversation. Thanks, Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thanks, babe. It was fun. <laughs> Love you. Love you. Thanks so much for tuning in with us today. If you enjoyed this episode and feel like it brought you value, don't forget to rate the show and leave a review. Your feedback means the world to us and helps us know which conversations you are needing the most. And we'll keep bringing you new episodes every week, so hit subscribe so you don't miss a thing. Also, be sure to check out the show notes for any links or resources that we mentioned. We're on this journey with you, so be sure to find us on the gram. Plus, go to bloomafterbaby.com and grab our free guides on all things motherhood created just for you. Breathe, be well, and keep growing, mama.